0: Hey there, Cape Cod. It's high noon on Wednesday, and we are here on the talk show, Life with Gwen. This week, we are saying goodbye to someone that many of you may know, and uh, don't start crying up yet, because I will too, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, many of you probably know our executive editor, Paul Pronovo, who is active in the community, and I know you've done coffee with the editor, and People sometimes use uh, I don't know how. Sometimes when you it's supermarket this.
1: trips with the Super- editor and yeah, uh, so all, you say, but I've never cleaning. seen
0: you at the yeah. the supermarket. No, I know. And uh, the also soccer for uh, Maggie's yep. Yep. coaching Maggie's yep. soccer yep. team. So as well as the more formal things where we have forums and sure. editorial boards. Well, after. Nineteen years of Paul's being here in one capacity or another. He'll be leaving at the end of the week. Uh, Friday's your last day.
1: Yeah, can't even. I can't believe it. Quite honestly, Gwen.
0: I know. It's hard to believe. Me either. But we thought that we would. um, You know, these. I know you know many of the people who are are watching. I do. And my people. (laughs) We're going to ask you if you have a comment that you'd like to, um, uh, that's always scary, a comment that you'd like to uh, um, leave for Paul or a question, um, you know, you can go ahead and do that on the Facebook live uh, feed that's happening right now. And uh, in the meantime, we thought we'd look back on some of the stories that have affected um, our communities over during your time here.
1: I think that sounds like a great idea.
0: Yeah, sure. it, uh, this is the kind of thing that you'll be doing Friday night with your with your work family. If you you know if there's drinks on Friday night. I don't know. But I, who uh, <laughs> knows what will happen? I'm reviewing the symphony, so I won't oh, be there. Yeah. You and I will have to to have our goodbye chat now. Fair enough. But tell me. Um, I don't think there's anything more defining to our time than the morning that we all came in and found that 9-11, September yeah. 11th, 2001, was unfolding. Tell me a little bit about what what position you were in there and, and what was happening.
1: Sure. So, um, first of all, thank you, Gwen, for having me on the program. Uh, it really is bittersweet. It's hard to believe uh, it was a little more than a month ago that I said my uh, – gave the word that I was moving on um to my alma mater St. Anselm College um to run the communications department and um and then so it kind of like was big news it was big news to me big decision and then I just went back to work so it was really weird to uh you know it was like groundhog day I just kept coming in and coming in and it was hard to even process that uh that the last day could be coming and and yet, yet here now it is so um so it feels weird but, but, but it, I can imagine, yeah. I can
0: imagine, and and weird for us as well it uh, It has been a long and, and uh, prosperous yeah. long good good uh, run that we've we 've had together. We hate to say goodbye, but uh, especially in a community like this where um, you know many people, both as as your neighbors as well as uh, sources for for the newspaper. Absolutely, and
1: I know I'm getting off track from your question. I promise to come back to it. That's okay. But, but, but is a quiz? <laughs> but you raise that point, and and I think it's a really important one because um, there are communities across the country, really across the world. But there are not many places, I feel, that are like Cape Cod in terms of how close-knit a community it is. And, and the story we're about to talk about uh, reflects that. Um, people really are in each other's corner all the time. And, uh, and I think there are a lot of reasons for that. I, uh, it starts with the bridges and the, and the water. We're surrounded by water, and so you know we have like almost an island mentality where we're we're in it together, and mm-hmm. whatever happens, good or bad, we're going to be in it together. We're gonna we're gonna mourn with each other. We're gonna celebrate with each other. We're gonna help each other when we we need things, and uh, and that's really it's really a unique thing. I didn't live on the Cape um, when I first came here, and uh, when I when I did move to the Cape to become the editor, it, it was remarkable how close knit this community is and you mentioned a couple things i'm involved in um, i'm sure anyone listening to this now can talk about what they do in the community because everyone does something and it's it's really quite quite a special and not place.
0: only the cape cod community but i noticed that when i'm in provincetown in wintertime that you know people actually it feels like people know that you don't actually belong there that you're <laughs> you're from another town yeah. so this uh, this feeling of community is is within each town, I think, sure. as well as the we, peninsula,
1: we have micro communities, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're from Provincetown, you're from, you know, you you take pride in Provincetown. I, I live in Ketuit. Um You know, we don't even tell you when the Christmas uh, stroll is because we we're just interested in Cattuit people being there, <laughs> and um, and and on and on. So people do identify with their local communities, but when you travel over the bridge. I don't say I'm from Katuit. I say I'm from Cape Cod, right. and and there is sort of an interesting sort of layer of community where you do have your local, hyper-local, and then you have your more regional community, and I think that has really been something that has benefited the Cape Cod Times uh, for forever, and certainly in my tenure here, in that a community newspaper can thrive where there is community, and I mm-hmm. think it's a symbiotic relationship that we've enjoyed um, for a long time. Now, let me. So, I, I want to get back to your question because I, I know you, won't, you. Well, that's won't okay let me because
0: there we doesn't matter what order okay. we go in. But uh, y- you know, you bring this up, and I also think that um, we are blessed to have readers, um, you know, people who, who consume their news primarily, you know, through through reading it Without in the paper, you yeah. know, and, and feeling it in their hands. So that is another issue that we are facing as, as community newspapers is this whole idea of, of um, the lingering prints, you know?
1: Yeah, and, and I think Cape Cod, I've, we all know the demographics of the Cape. They are they are older, they're educated, they're affluent, um, a lot of retirees, and, and that all adds up to a classic newspaper reader. And Mm -hmm. it's why we have still, while our industry is evolving quickly and should be, um, and we are evolving as well, um, we really feel it's important to remain balanced between uh, tradition and, and the print newspaper and what our readers, our core readers care about and innovation, what the future readers will be all about. Because mm-hmm. if we don't evolve with the times, um, we're gonna be in big trouble very quickly and, and probably before you know it. So you do have to evolve, but but we're not in a place, I mean, there are some very high tech places in, in California, um, actually as close as uh, Southern New Hampshire in, in the Portsmouth, New Hampshire area, the Seacoast area. They are high, high tech. They are all digital all the time. The print papers still exist, but I'm sure they're not as as big a deal as their digital presence. For us, it has to be almost an equal balance, two mm-hmm. feet equally on the balance beam, and we'll shift our weight as our readers do. But right now, we have that classic newspaper reader, and we have to we have to still
0: paper love them. and coffee, coffee and the paper. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, uh yeah. Um, when, when we can get it there, we have right. had our problems, sure. our challenges. But um, the, the other thing I think is important to tell people is that if you do have a, a print subscription, you can also, you know, when you feel like it, use the, the um, digital product because then you are getting news, you know, kind of 24-7. We can update uh, elections if they go too late for print. And, and uh, I know the news staff does a great job of doing that. And the digital staff. One of whom is over here in the corner, but you won't see him because he's producing the show he's today. Back Jason Kolnos. Um, but now we can, yeah, we can go back. All right, sorry we're going to miss something because I know this isn't going to fit in a half hour, but let's hit some of the highlights. Yeah. And, and I know that uh, everyone's life changed uh, that morning. So tell yeah. us about where you were and what was going on. Sure. So at the time,
1: I was, uh, I think my title was the Metro Editor, which really. Really what that meant was I was, I was I was the news editor. I mean, you know, we're not, we're not an urban area. So uh, in any case, I was the news editor. So I was working the news desk. And basically what that means is you're responsible for the local coverage of what's happening on, on the Cape and the Islands. And uh, I was sitting at the news desk. And, and if anyone's watched a movie that involves newsrooms, our newsroom, newsroom looks very much like you would picture mm-hmm. um, messy clusters of desks. Um, people coming and going, and, and, and a lot of televisions. Uh, so I was watching uh, the television screen uh, above my desk, and uh, the chief photographer, Steve Heslip, was standing with me, and we're talking about the day. And uh, and I'm sure everyone remembers September 11th, 2001, on Cape Cod, and, and much of New England, um, much of the Northeast, was a beautiful day. It was one of those picture-perfect days. The temperature was was perfect, sunny skies, a little bit of clouds, and uh, so it just felt like such a good day. It just felt like a good day. And, but we were watching the screens, and there was a fire billowing out of one of the World Trade Center towers. And Steve and I were talking about it and not thinking, quite honestly, that that was a story that we were going to need to be working on. Uh, it felt pretty far away. Um, and then we watched in, in real time as the second plane hit the other tower. And, uh, and we knew this was a very big uh, situation, and probably was going to resonate back here on Cape Cod, uh, because we say in the newsroom, we all know it, Gwen, you certainly know it, that all roads lead to Cape Cod. They do. So so we knew a story, there must have been a story coming out of that day, and that that event um, that would echo back here on the Cape. Um, Little do we know in those first moments how much of the story came back. We, uh, and and how much of the tragedy came home. And it really, uh, it brings tears to my eyes to this day to think about some of uh, the people, how they were affected, their families were affected, loved ones who, who left Cape Cod that morning to get on an airplane in Boston and lost their lives, um, family members who were lost in the towers, uh, real live connections. Um, who knew we had a group of flight attendants who lived on Cape Cod, in, in sort of a, a neighborhood they, they clustered, so I mean, we really were touched by that, and uh, not only that, of course, we had a military base, and, and we knew, we had a reporter, it was amazing, almost moments after this was happening, when it was still chaos, and our job is to make sense of chaos, mm-hmm. um, we were trying to sort it out, not with much success in those early moments, neither was anybody. I think the original fake news was happening on 9-11 because there are all sorts of false reports that were coming across the wires that, um, that were getting amended later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, I remember distinctly a report that the S- uh, Sears Tower in Chicago had been struck. I remember that as well. And uh, so it was real. So we were trying to make sense. But we had a reporter who was literally calculating that fighter jets from Otis Air Base probably had already been scrambled and uh, were down there. And, of course, that turned out to be true. Um, so that was a story that echoed a long time. And, and just the people, I think what the paper did fundamentally, and I'm sure this is why you asked the question, is it told the story of not only this international event um, that had such wide-ranging implications for the United States, but also how it affected our community. And that's fundamentally what we're supposed to do, is to is to be a reflection of your community, and in some moments, like that, to it was a bonding experience. You know, talk about community. Mm -hmm. People were able to connect with each other because of what we were telling them and sharing. I was going
0: to say, I recall that uh, I had gone over to features the year before from covering the military, um, but, uh, and several other things, but uh, I I know that there were calls coming into the newsroom of people saying, do you know names yet? You know, do you know, because there was no central place to go. And, and we, 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 knew it as, as it evolved a little bit, but, uh, and then long after the event, when, when we got to the one year and the five year mark, um, I wasn't involved in the story, but I've heard it several times from different editors about families that still call and, uh, you know, drop a note and stop by that families that, you know, people here have stayed in touch with. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, there are several, uh, but the Meltzer family really sticks out to me because uh, Zachary Meltzer, whose son, Stuart, worked at Cantor Fitzgerald. Um, he call- he was one of those people you mentioned who called us that day. And, uh, you know, obviously we know uh, what happened, and he very gallantly allowed us to come and speak with him that day and to tell his story and to tell his son's story. And we kept in touch with the Meltzers. Um, for years, they kept in touch with us as well. Um, but every time we'd come back to them for you know the first year anniversary, what have you, they had to relive the pain of, of that day, and, and, you know, we struggle with that, because we do want to remind people, and yet at the same time, we knew we were putting them through um, a difficult uh, experience once again. Um, but then eventually, they decided to move to Long Island, and, uh, and I remember Mr. Meltzer called the newsroom again to say they were moving, just to give us a heads up, probably as much as anything, and he said, you know, you think you could write about us, you know, the fact that we're moving away and what have you? and I remember saying yeah of course we would do that um uh but why you you don't need to do that you don't have to put yourself through it again but he was he really wanted to because he felt that that's how they could thank Cape Cod because when when this happened and they shared their story uh Cape Cod embraced them and and probably gave them a support system that they never would have known otherwise and and never could have believed could exist and and uh I think the Cape showed its true colors in supporting the Meltzers and other folks on on around that terrible event. And again, I think we became a conveyance uh, between people, community, mm-hmm. and those who were feeling it. So, uh, so, so he felt he couldn't possibly reach out to each and every person who would help them unless he had a megaphone. And that's, right, and that's the role we played.
0: I, I think people sometimes will criticize us and and uh, especially TV interviews um, for. Invading people's privacy, but I don't know about you as a reporter. I've probably asked a hundred people I have to write a story about this accident. Would you you know I'd like it to be a story about your son your wife's life as well yeah. and I I cannot remember people saying no Telling tough stories sad stories. Um is obviously
1: one of the hardest things a journalist can do. Probably the hardest thing. Um, I think any seasoned journalist has had that knock on the door, not knowing what was on the other side and how upset people would be to be, you know, to be that vulture. You feel the feathers on you when you're approaching the door. And um, but it's important for us to remember, and I think for everyone to remember that moments of tragedy are worthy of telling stories because people matter. Their stories matter. And when someone has lost a loved one or there's been a tragedy or what have you, you need to share those stories because people will, as was with the Meltzers, they will come to their aid in mm-hmm. ways that they couldn't feel otherwise. And and you're right. I think more often than not, people, they, and it also gives them a level of control. They, yes. find, it's almost like a, a, a eulogy in some ways for their the person they have mm-hmm. lost um but that's a very tough spot for them incredibly painful um and and but we realize it is and and i think that you know people here certainly at the times are are so sensitive about how they do it um but it's a duty and 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 uh i think it's done well here
0: it uh it just to bring us, we're not going to get to the soul list. No, won't we. <laughs> um, but just to bring us uh, sort of forward yeah. um, in to one, to another terrible yeah. event, but that brought us together as a grieving community when um, Sergeant Sean Gannon yes. was, was lost in the line of duty when oh. he was shot and killed. And, um, and the community I got the sense was looking for a way to grieve. Um, you know, there were, countless flowers and, and tributes, but they were looking for a place to be. And we, you know, I know the paper reached out on a lot of levels, not only covering the story, but uh, on this show, we had uh, someone in, a uh, community leader, um, to talk a little bit about how a big, diverse community comes together and um, and, and deals with an event like that. So, um, but but anyway, and then there are lots of good things. Um, and I'm going to ask you this on the air. There's one right. thing you don't know. This one is coming. Oh, good. But we had a big controversy here during a, a spate of snowstorms, mm. and now you know where it's coming. Terrific. So, and I understand this was your decision. Ah, uh, yeah, Gwen, it was. Thank you. Good. Okay, so we had this big snowstorm, and uh, and do you remember the exact headline?
1: I do. I do. So, uh, and I'll tell I'll tell you the story. Uh, I still stand by it.
0: We will. Bye. We just lighten Bye. things up here.
1: So, um, yeah, that was, th- you took a right turn in terms of, uh, but, but Half yeah, hour that, show, Paul. good point. Good, <laughs> that's a good point. So, uh, all right. So, and I know exactly how it went down because it was still January and we had been pounded by these ra- rain, ice storms, snow, that snotty Cape Cod weather where it's not the good fluffy stuff. It's that, you know, 300 pound cement block shoveling. You're scraping your windshield for the 400th time. And, and I was scraping my windshield that morning saying, oh, this is stinks. And we're just had, not
0: used to it because we usually get rain.
1: Or we get something. But, yeah. or, but, but it was just, you mm. know, time after time, wave after wave. And, and I thought, I am done with this. And, and I felt that was probably the prevailing feeling on Cape Cod, that people were done with it. So I came to the office. I said, I want to do a story about how people are sick of the weather already. And and I wanted to be provocative. We at the time we were trying to be very splashy with our headlines, you know, really grab people. And uh, we we're being encouraged to do that. So I thought I know what our headline's going to be. It's going to be WTF. And as the kids will tell you, those initials mean something to them. That um, we can't say here. No, no, we will not say here. That's right. But and we weren't really saying there because we had a little contest that day to, to figure out what those words could mean mm-hmm. um, sort of a double entendre and we came up with we're tired of freezing so we okay put WTF big letters parenthetically we're tired of freezing and you're sticking um, with that it's at, we that's exactly what we published and uh, and and the reaction was uh, was mixed was mixed I think mm-hmm. some people well, first of all internally people were begging me they're like don't do it. You're telling you you're making a mistake, um, and they maybe they still feel they're right. Feel uh, only at the top. I will say that uh, that was an award-winning headline. Uh, so I did win a journalism award for that headline. So, uh, but I, we did get some some feedback.
0: The reason I bring it up is because I, I think that that sort of thing is you know being in features since oh my gosh 2000 um we we invite the readers we try to to sure. have fun to right. to do take advantage of all the things you know the arts and the food and everything that's going on but i think as a paper generally um that headline reflected a uh, um kind of a, a more discussion conversational we're one of you yeah. kind of feel and and although it it uh Played you know different ways in different audiences yeah. it was um it was a reflection of that on the news pages as well
1: uh it it was it was definitely a reflection and and I think it also um it kind of speaks to something else about journalism when we put something out there, there's no takebacks, there's no safety net, there's no mulligans it is out there, and everyone knows it, everyone sees it. And, and, you know, mistakes happen in this business. That was not a mistake. That was a really good headline. But mistakes do happen. And, you know, everyone makes them. But when you're a journalist, you make a mistake. And tens of thousands of people know it. And, and, and every single one lets you know. So um, it really is an element to our business that I think is, uh, is unique. Um, I think it makes people hypersensitive to trying to be get it right. Because mm-hmm. our credibility is what we're all about.
0: Plus, and it's embarrassing to have to apologize to all those people. It is embarrassing in yeah. the uh, page A two in the correction section. But uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about uh, about journalism overall sure. because this has been a rough couple of years. In fact, I would say that if we go back, um, if we go back. Uh, Five eight years maybe I have uh, as everyone in the newsroom and that and in in your life I'm sure have watched you struggle with the uh, um, reductions in force mm-hmm. and uh, we um, I think most people probably know that uh, Gatehouse and uh, Gannett had had a merger you know you now I think the biggest merger in the, they, in the country. they have formed
1: the biggest media company in the country yeah, yeah.
0: two hundred and sixty one community newspapers and USA Today mm-hmm. um, so I. USA today is always out there by itself but uh, so you know we we obviously and in in addition to to the consolidation of ownership we, we also have been going to a time when when there's a lot of call about uh, you know fake news and and whether you know what facts are sure so that's a big question let's see if you can talk just a little bit about that
1: sure um, uh, well for starters I, I don't want to conflate ownership our ownership and and any changes to staff or what have you, I think that that's been an industry-wide uh, yes. situation. And well,
0: neither do I, because you're leaving, but I'm staying. So. <laughs> right,
1: exactly. Yeah. Um, so so I don't think that, I think the industry has really yeah. struggled. And I also think, combine that with, if you go back, as, as I've reflected on my, my time as the editor, um, 2009, 2010 was a brutal, brutal time for any business because of the recession. And uh, and we certainly felt it. I mean, we have. I mean, our revenue sources are subscribers, advertisers, um, and and typically, and and. Uh you know, when advertisers are struggling, they don't have the money to give to something else, which is us to advertise their businesses. And that really creates a domino effect. Um, so I think that has been one factor. Another factor, obviously, is the changing shape of our business, where um, there has been a lot of consolidation. There has been a lot of change in where you print or what you do. Um, and there have been a lot of changes in jobs and what we do as, as the media. Um, so fast forward to today. And I think that evolving smartly is what will allow media in general to continue to succeed. And and I think that's happening here. I mean, the fact that you have this program and now have for uh, two years, is it?
0: Uh, two years here, and then we did community. That's right. Uh, we did Homefront on the community station with Alicia Blaisdell bannon and Melanie Lowers, both retired now. Right. Um, but uh, And I remember you saying, don't play to where the puck is to where it's going. That's right. Exactly. And um, although exactly. I, I did wonder, somebody has to hit it where, where it is, right?
1: Yeah, but, but, you, but if you're not hitting it, you go to where it's going. I um, see. And that's what we need to do for the business. And to use a more salty um, kind of Cape Cod expression, you know, you don't, you know, when we're looking for business, we don't fish where the fish aren't, we fish right. where the fish are. Okay. And so, so we need to bring our business to where our Audiences in Facebook and Facebook Live is a great vehicle for that. So we're evolving and I think that's really good. But at the same time we evolve, I think it's really important that we remember what we're supposed to be about. And I mm-hmm. mentioned credibility. We're supposed to be getting it right, telling the stories as fully and fairly as possible. How we tell them, what platform we tell them, that doesn't matter as long as we're doing it well. And I think and we're that's really putting good. it in
0: places where people are reading it. That's so right. It, uh, I was going to say that the one factor in that roundup, excellent roundup that you, you gave was I think that uh, the world changed with the advent of of information everywhere. You know, we are so very much in the information age. Um, information
1: I, and misinformation.
0: Yes, information and misinformation. Saw a cup the other day. I almost bought for myself, but I didn't. It said, uh, please don't. Uh, confuse your Google search with my journalism degree because there are you know those extra layers of checking and rechecking and uh, I, I'm gonna knock on wood because you know this is gonna bring it uh, a mistake <laughs> on but um, but there there is a there is training there is is experience that goes into reporting um, and you know, it used to just be us delivering. And, and now we're having lots of conversations, and we're a part of social media. And I think in, in some ways, it's good, because it makes us more a part of our communities. I'm glad
1: you bring that up. And I'm glad you brought up fake news, because I think right now there is, you know, we're used to be gatekeepers. So a trickle of information would get out. Let's just take TV, for example, knock us out. Three networks delivered the news at six o'clock. Now you can get TV news 24/ seven from a, an endless amount of sources, some are good sources, some are not. so we went from a trickle to a fire hose of information right. that's out there, and I think that of course is you know we could go on for hours about this, but that is at the bottom of the line of what fake news has exploited um, some, some people not willfully and some quite willfully, and again, we could talk about this for hours, but to sum it up,
0: I've seen you talk about this at the library I have done, done it. several presentations. Uh,
1: so but but there are good sources out there and I am a firm believer that folks are figuring it out they're figuring out what they can mm-hmm. believe and can't believe um, rules and regulations are going into social media too slowly as far as I'm concerned that govern making sure that you know only reputable sources are presented and I think that's good for us because I think the pendulum swung over here where there's all sorts of information sources and I think by selection It's going to swing back over here because people are going to say, I don't want to get embarrassed by spreading fake information. Mm. I want to get it right. I'm going to find the sources that are good, and places like the Cape Cod Times will prevail.
0: It's, you know, it's interesting. I think it's good because it's brought so many new voices into the conversations. You know, I mean, that's something we always work against to not be lazy and call the people we know are going to answer the phone. Um, But still, you know, this, this, I've gotten great stories from watching people on social media and then looking into it, you know, going out to ask the questions and spending time with people. So, I mean, I think it's a a good thing, but like you said, a pendulum thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Social media is a good thing and a bad thing. I think it opens doors. Um, that we wouldn't be able to go through otherwise and it, it, it actually really a better analogy is it, it presents a window that we can look through that we couldn't before into a community page or what-have-you um, so we are finding stories we wouldn't have otherwise but it's also uh, social media is the echo chamber of bad information so I can't tell you how many people I've seen you know post something check this out or can you believe this and I've drilled down the rabbit hole of that source only to find that it's baloney and, mm. and I quietly tell them, please take that down, you're not, that's not yeah. right.
0: It, uh, sometimes I think too that social media discovers a story that we've covered, you know, months or years ago, sure. and, and so I, I find myself putting up links, but they also discover things that we can look into and, and you know, and be a partner with. I, I've noticed a lot of that in journalism as, no as we move forward. Yep. So um, it occurs to me as director of communications that you are now going to be reaching out to the press.
1: That's right. I think,
0: She was uh, on the other foot.
1: It's, it's certainly on the other foot. I think that, um, you know, it's interesting because I think a lot of communications people who have been journalists um, are good at their job because they know some of the fundamentals. And the people who haven't been... I think can be good at their jobs, but I think they have a little bit of a a blind spot in in the relationship. I think they're supposed to be having with the press. So hopefully it'll be good. It's certainly I will say that it's it's uh, you know not to make a commercial, but um, it, it's my alma mater. It's a place I care about. Um, so I that makes it easy. It makes mm-hmm. it easy because how can you not promote something you love?
0: And and you'll still be around here because uh, you have the house and and sure. uh, doing some telecommuting. I, I I think a little bit, I yeah, little I'll, be bit, so I'll be up
1: there, I'll be up at, I don't even know if I mentioned it, St. Anselm College, which is in uh, mm-hmm. Manchester, New Hampshire. So I'll be back and forth, um, you know, certainly for the weekends. Um, my daughter Maggie is a uh, junior at Barnstable High School. Mm-hmm. Um, she, uh, you know, she's going to stay there through, through graduation. And then, and then, honestly, we're empty nesters. So as my wife said, she said, you know, you're looking at this like, oh my gosh, it's a big change, which it is. I said, but our lives are changing anyway. Once, right. once the kids are out of the house, and she, and really, she doesn't want me sitting in my chair, you know, staring at birds for too long. It would drive her crazy. So she wanted me to move on and get a new challenge. I, get, I have
0: trouble seeing you that way, so sitting in your chair, uh, staring at birds. We got some Was great that? birds. Oh, in the good yard. to know. Yeah. Well, we are, um, we are. Uh, Jason is not holding up. This is your last. We've got five minutes left or less. And uh, if you have a comment that you'd like to uh, send to Paul, please. Nice uh Hey, no, you can stay away after I, I, all these years, you've got to learn that it's the good, the bad what, isn't it that they say if if you have people who are both uh, uh elated at your coverage and and miserable with it that uh, that you must be doing that something right that so it, uh, but but yeah, he's leaving. you can send nice comments you know. and uh, i I think that there are some stereotypes. I was going to ask you about this. why did you get into journalism? Uh, I
1: got into journalism because in fourth grade, um, Mrs. Gould, my my teacher, um, she saw me drawing little cartoons in the back of the classroom. And most teachers would have gone back. And Mrs. Gould was a strict teacher. You can ask my sisters. And most teachers would have grabbed it, ripped it up, given me detention, what have you. She said, I'm going to give you some time to do that because that's obviously a creative outlet for you. But I want you to convince the other kids in the class to do it as well, which I did. And then we put together a little, like a little comic book, and and we distributed around the school, um, dating myself. But I think it was not copy machines; it was probably mimeographs. Mimeographs, that's crazy. right. Yeah. And and so I would hand these out, and people would look at them. Our little comic strips, and and I got the greatest kick out of watching people react to something that that I wrote, drew, correct, uh, created, and I thought, wow can you do that for a living? And, uh, and guess what? You can. And so, um, you switch to so words. That's, so that's, so here, well, like my drawing, if anyone's seen my cartoons, they, they were at the fourth grade level and stayed there. Ah. So, uh, you know, I do have a couple more words developed, not many, but a few since then. And, uh, and that's, that honestly is, is how I started. And, um, so, as I progressed along, journalism was always a thing. Um, honestly, it became in college maybe two tracks: journalism or teaching. Um, mm-hmm. I have a lot of teachers in my family um, and uh, but journalism seemed like the you know the most stable. Easy, highest-paying career I could possibly get. So that, I'm joking, of course. Um, so that's what I decided uh, decided to do.
0: I, I was thinking I'm in the wrong end of the business, <laughs> but uh, I was curious because you know we had this big push of, of uh, uh, young people, mostly guys, but also women, going into journalism after Watergate, yeah, after wasn't, Woodward, wasn't Woodward and Bernstein. Bernstein.
1: It was little cartoons.
0: So well, that's very interesting. <laughs> and uh, it is there anything I always. Before I, I send you off a little toast here, yeah. I would like to uh, see if there's anything we haven't talked about, other than about a million things. But um, that anything you'd particularly like to say about running the paper for this long, or um, this community, or anything at like at all.
1: Um, thank. First of all, again, thank you for the opportunity, Gwen, to to have this chat. Um, it's been great. I'm gonna I'm gonna miss you, but it won't be gone know, forever. I know. Um, so let me start there. Um, but let me just say that. Um, this community is really lucky to have the Cape Cod times it is still and there have been changes we all get it it's not as big it's not the staff isn't as big we all get it it's not what it once was and there's a temptation for people to focus on what it was versus what it is Um, but the truth is focus on what it is because what it is is really goddamn good and and the people here you Jason everyone here do such an incredible job At telling the stories that matter in this community and uh, and we here on Cape Cod are so fortunate to have a paper that does it so well so right every day if people could see how hard and how well people do their jobs here I've never ever seen anyone cut a corner I've never ever seen anyone have bad motivations they care about telling the truth um, informing the public, entertaining the public, and and they do it so well. I, I I guess my last words would be, I know you can get frustrated, and we had plenty of reasons to frustrate you, but the folks here deserve way more slack than they're given, and if you don't believe me, go somewhere else, sit down, find their community paper, and size the Cape Cod Times up against almost anyone else, and I guarantee you this place will measure up and in fine form. So that's what I would say as a final statement.
0: Well, I don't want this to become a, a mutual admiration society, but we appreciate the leadership and the freedom to do those things. And I especially want to tip a hat to the new staff yeah. because uh, we are, we are looking ways to tell you, in my department to tell you about the fun, but we're also covering the news there. And, uh, but you know, I, one thing that comes to mind immediately is uh, Kristen Young's work after uh, Sergeant Gannon was shot to find out why that, uh, that uh, person um, was
1: out. Which, why you know? he was yeah. on the street in the first place.
0: Right. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, that's just the kind of thing that, you look at the system and you see where it's broken. So, you know, that's fine work. And, and, and that, that's a, a big flashy kind of uh, story, but, but certainly in terms of, of transportation and funding and, and all the other stuff that goes into daily life. So now the other yes. thing that people of my generation, and perhaps yours, we're not a full generation apart, um, know is, is uh, Lou Grant and Mary Tyler Moore yes. in the newsroom. And, uh, we, uh, we have here, this is Paul's, uh, one of Paul's of choice, and I know I'm not supposed to be advertising, but I heard That's Makers right. was one of your of uh, choice. Sure. And this is the emergency left hand drawer. Oh my goodness. Well, we have a bit of a toast. I um, I kind of liked that Dead Poets Society line about Captain, my Captain, mm-hmm. but uh, the in the Whitman um, poem, the captain is dead on the deck. So <laughs> I figured we should not do that one. So let me uh, give you this one that is pretty appropriate to the cape. May your fortunes be heavy as the sea and your troubles as light as the foam.
1: Oh, Thanks, cheers Paul. to that, one. Thank you. Take care. Thank you.